Mora conducts physician-led support groups, helping people live healthier, happier lives, free from chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. And on our podcast, Health and Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus, we bring to you nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests to empower and inspire you with their knowledge and stories of plant-based lifestyle so that you can be your healthiest self. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Shad Helmstetter. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Well, I found you through your self-talk books, the app, and I tell you, I feel like I've been on a quest for quite some time, well over a decade, looking for kind of the answers that you're providing with your research that you've done and, and your, your work. So before we get straight to the self-talk and everything that that offers, could we talk a little bit about your background and how you even came into this field um, growing up and, and how you went on to get your PhD? Well, it was, I'm not sure I believe in coincidences, but it was an odd unusual set of coincidences, I think, that all came together just right. I um, I was always, even as a very young, even as a young kid, I was very interested in personal growth, um, human behavior. Um, why, I remember one of my earliest questions was, why are some people successful and other people aren't? Because it just seemed to me, even at a young age, that that everyone should have the opportunity to be really successful. And I, my first career was that of uh, a linguist. Um, I was a um, Spanish English interpreter for the for the United States government uh, in Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I had studied foreign languages and. And that, combined with my interest in, in human behavior, why are some people, why does it work for some people and why does life not seem to work as well for others? I, I began to realize that we th people think differently and that they literally use a different vocabulary in their daily life. In our case, for instance, we're speaking English, but as I began to study people who were successful and then also studying people who were not successful, people who were struggling, I found out in almost every case that the successful or the more successful people were literally using a different vocabulary. And I thought there, there must, there's got to be an answer here. And then I recognized that you learn a language through repetition. That's how we learned our first language when we were kids, um, very young. We didn't have to go to school to learn to speak our first language. It was spoken in the background of our lives, and it was spoken um, repeatedly. We heard the same kinds of messages and phrases and words again and again. And I began to suspect that the answer probably does lie in how the brain gets programmed, how those messages and our first language gets wired in, and if... Here was my early hypothesis. If successful people are literally using a different form of English, if they're using a di different list of vocabulary terms in their daily life, average, average everyday life, and if they got that language through repetition, then why couldn't the rest of us learn to speak the language of success by getting, by learning the new language of success 
uh, through repetition. And so that was that was really the beginning of of my work with positive self-talk. Mm, I love that so much. And you have a history. You said your your childhood that you didn't have a significant uh, materials, but you had lots of positive reinforcement for your um, goals and those type of things. Could you just talk a little bit to that? Because I feel like that's, I, I really enjoyed listening to you speak to um, the language that we speak to our children. I have three grown children and it really made me reevaluate how I had spoken to them. And I called them up after listening to your book and um, asking, you know, let's talk about your self-talk, um, but we'll get to that in a second. I would, I would love to hear how you came about and understood that your upbringing and the language that you learned as far as what you could do um, really affected you, even though you didn't have opportunities necessarily materialistically. I can't remember ever being told I was stupid or that I couldn't do something. I grew up in a family environment, lots of kids, six kids in our family. <laughs> and, and all of us were told what we could accomplish and at the same time, I should add that I don't recall anyone ever giving us a prize for doing nothing. Mm. It was always anything, our, any praise of any kind was connected with something that we were working at and getting better at, and which I think is a really intelligent way to, to praise children mm -hmm. so that there, aren't any, that there aren't any free rewards, but the rewards are available right. and constant. And... I also, because I worked in the farm fields as a young boy, I had hours and hours of time to do nothing but look at the sky and the fields and think. And it was during that, that early time when I wasn't able to talk to a lot of other people because I was alone in the countryside that I began to think how wonderful life is, how, how, broad, the, how broad the horizon is. Um, and I simply developed a perspective that said, what if we're more than we think we are? And I was being that was being reinforced when I was at home with my family. What if, what if we have more potential? What if we're actually born to succeed? And, and later on when I was studying um, both psychology and, and, and the field of neuroscience, it became clear to me that we are born to succeed. No one is born to fail. One of my favorite places in the world is the newborn nursery in the hospital, the infant nursery. And when you go there, and I have often been there, and when you go to visit an, uh, a newborn in the infant nursery, you stand on one side of a, um, a glass window, usually, and you look through that window, and there on the other side, in these little bassinets are these beautiful, wonderful miracles of life. And when, you, when you're when you're watching them, if, if those, those infants, they're laying there in their little swaddling blankets, and if their eyes are open, you can actually see them searching uh, to, to live out that incredible potential that they were born with. And it, it became very clear to me that, that no one is born to fail. We're, in fact, it's true. We're all born to succeed. In fact, we're born to thrive. Mm -hmm. There's no one ever that's been born to fail. Mm -hmm. And and then what happens is we start to get messages and our brain starts to record those messages. I think the first messages some people get is probably in the hospital room 
when they're only a day old and there's a television set on up in the corner of the room and we, we begin to get our first messages. Although, of course, the first messages that an infant gets are from the mother. Usually their first perception is to um, is the mother's eyes. And uh, there's a lot of love and affection in that. But then the rest of the world takes over and the kids start to grow up and they have brothers or sisters and they have friends at school and then they have teachers and, and, and then there's social media. The entire world goes to work to, to program us. Mm. And, and we, we have learned from the field of neuroscience that, that all programming is based on repetition. In fact, the key to success is repetition, 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 repetition. The brain is designed to, to record information that we get only once, but it doesn't hold on to that. But if, if the brain perceives or hears or, or experiences that same information a second and a third and a fourth time, then it thinks, oh, this must be important. I better record this permanently. And so it actually then begins to wire in those messages. So as the child grows, more and more messages are recorded permanently in the brain. And the important <clears throat> thing about that is the part of the brain that stores all of those messages we got, that part of the brain doesn't know the difference between something that's true and something that's false, or right or wrong or bad or good or, or positive or negative. The brain just records it because it's been repeated frequently. Mm -hmm. And then the brain acts on the programs we have that are the strongest. Um, a, a really good visualization that I like is to, in fact, all of your viewers or listeners can do this right now. Think of someone you know who you would say is, let's say, the most successful person you know. And I don't mean just financially. I mean, so, think of someone who's successful in life. Their life is working. And so that could be someone you know or someone you know of. And But get a good picture of, of someone you know or know of who you would say is successful at living. So their life is spiraling up, it's working. And then, and then when you have a good picture of that person, let's invite them to come into the room with us right now and we'll just have them stand right off to the side. And that person wouldn't mind being here because that's a successful person. And then while that super wonderful, thriving, successful person is standing in the room with us, think of the opposite. Get a picture in your mind right now of someone you know or know of who you would say is failing. So their life isn't working. They may be trying or they may be struggling, but life isn't working for them. And when I think of that, I still think of a, someone who was a kid who was 17 when his parents saw him for the last time. If they did ever find him again, I suspect he may not even recognize his own parents because of the amount of drugs in his system. And they'd probably find him in an alley someplace. But, but whoever you think of, just think of someone you know or know of who you would say that person is failing. Doesn't mean they're bad. It means they're failing. They may be struggling, but they're failing in life. And then, and then let's ask that person also to come into the room and stand right over here on the other side. So that person probably wouldn't want to come in the room and stand here because that person is struggling at life, but we'll ask them to just for now. And then, and then look at those two individuals. One of them, super successful, life is working. The other one over there, struggling and failing. 
then look at them closely and ask yourself the question, what is the difference between those two individuals? And the fact is, the truth is, the difference between that person who is succeeding and that person who is failing, the difference is their programs. And this is profound. It's entirely possible that those two individuals, so entirely different in their lives now, those two individuals could have been the two little infants that we looked at in the newborn nursery just a few minutes ago. And they were laying there and they're lying there in their little bassinets and their little blankets and, and their eyes were open and they were searching, just waiting to live out that incredible potential they were born with because they were born to succeed. And then one of them got programs that took them in one direction, and the other got programs that took them in the other direction. I find that example actually very promising because, because of the brain's neuroplasticity, its ability to constantly rewire and change itself. We've been given this amazing gift, and that is to be able to change the wiring of our own brains. We're actually doing it every day. We ju we're just not aware of it. But once you become aware of that, that your self-talk is literally reprogramming who you are and who you intend to be, once we realize that, we think we, we're aware for the, maybe the first time that we're actually playing the most important role in what happens to us and how successful we are in our lives. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. Um... So it's it's a it's really fascinating. I I grew up in a home. Just a, a quick aside, that was a uh, very difficult, and I didn't receive the messaging that we should be messaging children. But I had really um, important influences in my life: my grandmother, my mother's mother, and certain teachers, and my best friend's parents, who really took an active interest in me and fed me that positive component that I didn't have at home. And um, I'm curious because the messages, the negative messages were strong and frequent, but the other messages, obviously I was, I was uh, physically not always available to these individuals, but I saw them frequently, spoke to them frequently. Do you feel like that when you had mentioned that we respond to those strongest messages, even though they may be more infrequent, maybe there's a, an emotion or a respect or a love for that individual that we our brain takes that in and makes it stronger, even though we're hearing these negative uh, talks more frequently. I'm just curious. Yes. Um, so the strongest program always wins. And so that would, so the question you're really bringing up is how do we get our strongest programs? And when we're growing up, the strongest programs come from either repetition or from trust. Mm. And any, anytime someone says to me, uh, Shad, I grew up in a difficult home, but I still did really well. My response is always someone got to you. Mm -hmm. And in your case, it, several people cared enough. And, yeah. and, but but if, you, if you studied why those people were influential, it has to do with love is important, but trust is even more important. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, I mean, I literally can, I tell you those five people off the top of my head because I, I think about them frequently still. Um, one of them, besides my grandmother, was a coach uh, that I had that was also our physics teacher in biology. He had a science background, Coach <laughs> Coach Willis. I am friends with him on Facebook, and I still 
we respond and uh, it's been 30 some odd years <laughs> since I left high school, but um, and it, but you know, what's interesting though, when I growing up, I didn't, I couldn't put it into words like we're discussing right now, like that self-talk piece. But when I was raising my own children, we had a rule in the house that there was no such word as I can't. So when they said, I can't, I was like, I don't understand. I can't. So tell me what you can do. And always encouraging the kids to push themselves beyond their own boundaries. And it was really interesting when I first listened to your book, what to say when we talk to ourselves and I was listening to the parenting stuff and I was thinking, I, I really try to be a conscious parent, my husband and I, and I called my daughter, who's also a physician in Boston. I was like, Em, tell me a little bit about your self-talk. Do you feel like you have negative self-talk? Because I just want to reevaluate how I, I parented. Because I was, I was a stern disciplinarian as well. I mean, I was in the military and I, so I might've been a little harder than I could have been. But uh, what was funny, she goes, mom, it's so weird that you said that because the day before, literally 24 hours earlier, her and her uh, cohorts and her family medicine residency had taken these self-talk um, tests, negative and positive self-talk. And she goes, I scored almost like the highest five. I got like 4.7 and everyone else was like 1.2, 1.8. And she goes, I, she goes like, I was thinking maybe I'm speaking too positively to myself. I was like, no, this is, this is fantastic. So it was just really interesting to see and replay back over the decades um, that it, it does make such a difference because now I think back to why was I able to step outside of my circumstances and I see patients who are also in difficult circumstances and why are they able to change? And that's why I started this podcast seven years ago is why was someone able to lose 200 pounds suddenly and keep it off and others aren't? It was that question that, but now I, it, it makes complete sense. We have different beliefs. We have different language. It's the language that we're speaking. Anyway, that's why it was so profound to me when I was listening to you. I just can't even tell you how important that is to me. So thank you for all your work. <laughs> it's been amazing. Um, but getting back to that, I'm curious. So we have, say, someone, you said we invited someone who was in the room, who was struggling in life, failing at life at this point, um, and someone who's striving. I have individuals who are patients who were really trying to change that language. We're speaking to them in a positive, you know, sometimes it, our language to them as the physicians is the first time they've heard this, this, this language of hope and change and positive reinforcement. But then they have family members who are trying to sabotage them. I, I guess it's a reflection of that person speaking. Is that why people try to sabotage others? Because we're the people who are trying to be more positive but then you may have a spouse or a loved one who's saying, you're not going to make it. You're not going to win. Is, there's this uh, um, friction that occurs as someone is changing and decides to move in a more positive direction. Any insight to that and how I can help patients who are struggling with those relationships? Yes. The people around us are parenting, are parroting mm -hmm. their strongest programs, of course. And one of the things that, that people do without trying to is they, they defend the programs that they have, even if the programs they have are working against them. Mm -hmm. Because, it, because they, we all look for validity. And so, unfortunately, we validate ourselves without thinking about it um, by supporting and repeating and trying to impress our programs onto other people. But while you can't change someone else's programs, 
who doesn't want to change. Well, there are a couple of ways you could do it, but typically you really can't change someone else's programs. And just saying something to them now and then tends not to change their programs. And it can become a real a battle. It's a battle that's going on in households right now. I'm sure you see it every day in your in your practice when some, one person is losing weight and they're going for it and someone else is telling them you'll never make it. Mm-hmm. That other person is just expressing their own programs. It has nothing to do with the person who's actually working at this and trying to lose the weight. So though I, I tend to tell people how it works and then I don't tend to be a person who gives advice a lot, but I do tell them how the, how the brain works and what they can do about it. And what we have learned for sure is Take care of your own programs. If there are people around you who may not yet believe in you, it's only because they don't yet believe in themselves. So don't worry about them. I know they're still going to be there, and I know you'll hear what they have to say, but your brain is listening. Your brain wants to hear the strongest programs you have. It's going to act on, and and the programs that are going to help you do best. That's what the brain is waiting for you to give it. So... What that gets down to is take care of your own programs. Work on your own programs. Try to let other people's programs pass you by as much as possible. If your prog- As your own programs get stronger, healthier, and see you as, as the kind of as looking and feeling the way you want to, physically and mentally, if you just focus on that and don't worry about what other people have to say or what other people have to think. What you'll find is that your brain will very gladly help you succeed and help you achieve. And your brain will gladly ignore those other people because your programs are stronger. So maybe that was a long way of saying it all goes back to the strongest programs always win. I agree because um, just kind of reflecting back on the story of saying when I grew up, I, I really wanted to believe like when my grandmother would say, you can be a doctor, you, you can do this. And I wanted to believe it so desperately that I, I, I put so much more emphasis on her. It's like, I can do what she's saying. Her speaking those words to me gave me wind in my sails to weather the storms of my parents, you know, that were, I struggled with. So it's really just, uh, it's so true. It's so fascinating. But now that we're getting to this, the self-talk piece, how did you find your creation, or maybe maybe we should go back to the inspiration of, of the actual repetition and the self-talk and the audios and everything you did. Like, how did you find, I've, I've listened to your story, so I understand, but I would love for you to share how this came about in your own life and how you decided to make this available to others. Well, I had, um, I had been putting two and two together in that I knew that if we learned a new language, we would think in that new language. And if we learned a new vocabulary, a successful vocabulary, we would think and live in that vocabulary. I, because of my language background, I, had, I, I, I understood that. By the way, we couldn't prove that yet, um, other than anecdotally or, or by observation, because at that time, we still couldn't look into the brain and watch it work while it was living. So <clears throat> I was making assumptions. They turned out, I could have been wrong, but it turned out I was right, that, that the brain is wiring in the programs that it gets most often or the messages that it gets most often. And at that, about that same period of time, I, I weighed a lot. Um, I, was, um, I had struggled with weight 
and um, I had tried every possible diet. I was really good at goal setting, so I would try every new diet that came along. And and um, there are still foods that I that don't appeal to me just because I was I had to eat them on that on that <laughs> diet, one diet or another. And what would happen, of course, is <clears throat> I would lose the weight because I was a good goal setter. But the weight would come back, and then of course it would bring its friends. And so the so I would <laughs> they had a party, <laughs> right? I would yo-yo and <clears throat> and the, I kept weighing more and more and more. So I was studying this thing called that I was working on called self-talk, positive self-talk, and I thought, why don't I try the impossible? Because at that time I thought losing weight was impossible, losing weight and keeping it off. I was sure that was impossible. But yet something said, maybe that also is what's been wired into your brain. What if you change that? So I began, I wrote, <clears throat> excuse me, and began listening to positive self-talk for weight loss. And, and I would listen to that every morning um, while I was uh, getting ready in the morning, shaving. And um, in the next 10 and a half weeks, while listening to self-talk, I lost 58 pounds. And and they didn't come back. And that 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 really impressed me because I had tried everything else. And this one didn't have to do with the diet. This one had to do with, I guess, the diet I was putting into my into my brain. But what what really impressed me was that during the same 10 and a half weeks that I was listening while I was shaving every morning, my wife at that time, who also wanted to lose some weight, lost 25 pounds eavesdropping on my self-talk. And, and I realized, oh my gosh, what if this works even if you don't know it works? What if this works even if you're not convinced? Mm. And so that's, that's really what said, what said to me, Chad, if you can do something like lose weight and then keep it off, and now it's many years later and it never came back, mm. I recognized I had just changed the programs that had kept the weight on in the first place. I thought, what if... What if you could do this and help other people? And so I started writing more and more and more self-talk and making it available to people. And, and that was many decades ago. And I'm delighted to say that since that time, hundreds of thousands of people all over the, the world listen to self-talk and, and, and get better. And I'm not one to, I, I don't like the idea of just promising miracles but this is just based on the brain's neuroplasticity and how it's designed to work. And if we if we get that and decide to to use that, then there's a good chance we're going to succeed. I think that's fabulous. I have so many things I could ask, um, but I, I really want to. I'll get to the other stuff in a minute, but I really want to just touch back in case people missed it. <laughs> you just kind of glossed over kind of quickly. Was it your wife lost twenty five pounds? And as you were listening to your own self-talk, just for your own benefit, she benefited just by being in the environment or listening. And um, it's funny, I was uh, listening to something uh, by Wayne Dwyer, and he had mentioned um, that being kind, that someone just observing someone being kind gets same serotonin levels as just being in the, the vicinity. So it's some of the same thing. It's the environment and being in that, the place of where this is occurring. Yes, um, yeah. And I, was, I, I, I was listening on, on cassettes at that time. Okay. By the way, cassettes are little bitty black <laughs> plastic things about that big. 
that we used to listen to music and things. And so I was right. just playing my cassettes. I was playing my weight loss, <clears throat> self-talk for weight loss cassettes while I was getting ready. And I had already suspected it was true. It turned out to be true that you should just listen to self-talk in the background um, because that's how we learn. That's how the brain is designed to learn language is by mm -hmm. hearing it repeated in the background. So I was doing that. I was just playing it in the background. And because of that, my wife just happened to be hearing it because she was putting on her makeup at the other end of the same, uh, the two sink mirror. And, and so, so she got the same message that I was getting. Okay. And, and, and yeah, it was just being played in the background. But there's even more to this, even outside of weight loss, you're, one of your stories in your book was about the mother and daughter. And anyone who's ever had a teenage daughter can testify that there are there are points <laughs> that teenage girls are, are fun and challenging but loving at the same time but that they were some there's some conflicts and then the mom started listening to I, I don't recall which self-talk it was but then the daughter started listening and then they started listening together and they they really began to work together and heal that relationship so it, there's so much more to it it's not just about weight loss it's your self-esteem and other goal setting. Can we talk about the different types of self-talk that you've created and why maybe some of the more important ones that you'd like to highlight? Now that's a really good point. When, in fact, people today who, who listen to self-talk for weight loss will discover very quickly that <clears throat> the messages they're getting aren't just about weight loss. In fact, there's very little on those programs that have to do with diet or dieting. It has to do with how you see yourself, how you set goals, how you, how you take responsibility for yourself. So much of it is how you feel about you and your potential. And so that self-talk is actually designed to help people uncover and, and maybe sometimes for the first time in some people's lives, see that they actually have that unlimited potential to become the person they were born to be in the first place. So when, when someone wants to lose weight today and they listen to um, self-talk programs, they're not just listening to something about how many pounds they want to lose. Um, that, that idea of the choice to weigh a certain weight, that's really just a goal. And once you set that goal, then you have a goal you, goal you can focus on. But all the rest of the self-talk is <clears throat> self-talk that helps you see yourself in a way that helps you reach that goal. That Self-talk that, that shows you, and through repetition, this really works, that <clears throat> allows you to believe in yourself once again. That no matter how tough the goal might seem the first day you, you set the goal, after two or three weeks, that goal doesn't seem so tough anymore. You, you're not there yet, perhaps, but you're starting to believe in yourself. And what more important power do each of us have in this life than, than when you begin to believe in yourself and then you, and then you get on track and you start getting better and better and you start to see your own accomplishment, and then you realize, wait a minute, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. So you may have you may have help from the outside language, but that's just helping you learn the language so you can think about it. Your your 
thoughts, <clears throat> excuse me, your program, your thoughts create your programs. So, so your programs create your, um, your feelings and your attitudes, and those create your actions. So start with your programs. Your programs will set up your, how you, your, what your attitude is about that and your goal. And then your attitude will set up your feelings and then how you feel about it always determines your actions. And then, then you find that taking the action isn't the big problem you thought it was in the first place. It's how you felt about it, how you saw yourself achieving that goal. That's what counted. Mm, oh my goodness, yes. You know, it's a fun story. Um, I obviously being on a, a telemedicine company, I'm in social media and have the podcast. And so, so I'm, I'm always looking for positive stories and highlighting. There was a woman on Instagram and she's 63 uh, or four now, but she, uh, three years ago, um, was uh, significantly overweight. She was a type one diabetic that ended up having a pancreatic kidney transplant. She had had a cabbage, uh, meaning she'd open up her heart and replace the, the artery, <laughs> the vein to bypass from having a heart attack. She was very, very ill. But three years ago, she made a shift in her belief somehow. Um, I haven't had a chance to interview her yet. Um, that she is like, enough is enough. I'm going to take control of my health. And she said in the first five months that, um, you know, she's just started doing things. She started lifting weights, exercising, making better food choices. And she really was believing her future self, her self in the future was different. And she said that in about five months into it, they went on a vacation, her and her husband and her husband was taking pictures of her and they were, you know, she was just having a good time and they came back and she looked at those photos and she was shocked. She goes, wait, that's not the person I think I am. And she was like, but what was interesting, she goes, she had already believed it and was living the person of her future self, which she is now an amazing, she's won like bikini contests, like she's on stage, like lifting weight. I mean, she looks fabulous. Like there's 20 year olds who would die for this body now. And um, it was just really interesting. Those pieces there, she changed her programming literally. And she was, she was shocked to see the photo it was like, wait, I'm not that person that she was already living her future self. I thought that was such a beautiful testament to that power, that vision, and that looking. But I had a question regarding growth mindset, um, Carol Dweck's work. So when I first read that book, uh, Growth Mindset, it was really interesting. There was one piece to it that really stuck to me because I, I have a, an affinity for children. I love children. I almost became a pediatrician and love being a mom. It was like one of my favorite things in the world. Um, but there was a little fourth grader in one of the studies and they, they took the study and they had a control group where they taught them how to study and work, you know, do good grades, whatever. But then they took another set of kids cohort and they not only gave them the study, you know, how to study, but also taught them about growth mindset. <clears throat> and this one 10 uh, year old in the, in the book, she said, he looked at them and said, oh, you mean I don't have to be stupid anymore? And that really struck me. Um, and in that book, what was frustrating for me is like, they never taught us how to teach someone to have a growth mindset. I'm always looking for actionable items like can I help the patients get better? Do you feel like this is part of that, like a growth mindset or the positive psychology of moving in that direction? Is, is that what you would maybe describe this? Is that change in your mind beyond changing your program? Is it you're creating these beliefs and changing yourself to a growth mindset? Is that another way to reflect on this? Look at it as uncovering. Hmm. Uncovering the, the real person who you were born to be. Okay. And the potential that you were born with. <clears throat> We've learned 
that 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 incredible potential never goes away. It's still there. And we can't see it because it gets covered over with programs. Mm. So so look at cre creating a growth mindset is actually going back to we were born with a growth mindset. We had to to survive. Look at it as as uncovering. And that's that's a, maybe a simple way to look at it, but it but it really works. Mm. So that if today when let's say someone starts um, listening to self-talk and when they start they don't believe any of it because they're going to be listening to wonderful things about themselves and they haven't been hearing wonderful things about themselves especially from themselves so when they first begin they think i i can't possibly believe this is this is this isn't me this is a lie that's their old programs trying to keep them the way they are because your old programs have lived with you a long time. They don't want to go away. They want to stay where they are. They're happy. Mm. And so they're happy controlling your, your, your life, even if they're bad programs. So the key here is to recognize that new self-talk is designed to paint a new picture of you, which is a picture of the real, true original you. And when you first hear that or see that new picture of you in your mind, it's very hard to believe. You think that's just not true. Somebody can say for 35 years, I have the world's worst memory. I can never remember names. We know people who will say that. And they say it frequently. Oh, I just can never remember names. And then they go to a party and they meet someone and they think, I'm going to remember this person's name. And then seven seconds later, the name is gone. And they're going through the alphabet trying to remember what that person's name is. And their brain just says, see, did what you told me to. You've been telling me for 35 years. You can't remember names. You got it. Done deal. Now, when you, when you change that self-talk and turn it around and say, I've got a great memory. I'm, I like people. I'm interested in them. I, I listen to them. I pay attention. And... And I'm good at remembering names. When you first say that, you'll think, that's not true. That's a lie. No, the lie was the 35 years when you said you couldn't remember names. So what you're actually doing with positive self-talk is you're, <clears throat> you're getting back to the truth. So the, the new self-talk, even if it sounds wonderful, and it does, um, it's not a lie. It's setting the record straight. Hmm. Oh my goodness. I love that. I love uncovering the growth mindset that's already inside of you that was there since day one. Oh my goodness. I love that. So this is kind of a, a fun uh, memory that I had. So when I was in kindergarten, I got off the school bus. It was my first day home. I drove, I, I was, uh, drove, I didn't drive the bus. I was on the school bus and I got off. It was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So it's a, a large city. And the bus driver didn't tell me I was not getting off the wrong stop. I just I thought I saw our house, what a five-year-old knows, and got off and it was the wrong stop. And um, I was by myself and I realized I was lost and I just started crying. So I would just watch, I, this is such a vivid memory. <laughs> and I would see my mom, she had, this was back in the 1970s, she had this uh, purple van and I'd see it passing because she was obviously looking for me. So as I hadn't showed up at home and I'd run up to the next block and she wasn't there, but then she finally found me. and. Um, I got in real trouble uh, for that. They literally brought a belt. 
at any rate, that's the kind of family I grew up in. But it made such an impression on me. My mom mentioned, and I verbal, remember this so vividly, you're so bad with directions. And since that day, I always told myself I was bad at directions. So anywhere I go, even, I mean, the kids, my husband are like, don't ask mom. She doesn't know where she's going. She gets lost. So I'm really working on using this self-talk to tell myself if I can start, <laughs> I'm over 50 now. <laughs> if I can move myself into being able to remember directions and it actually has started to help. Um, I'm starting to pay attention because now it's like my brain is like, I pay attention that I turn left here and I'll need to turn right on the way back and thinking visually where I'm going. So it, even for something that's literally been imprinted that you can't even like self-directions, it's just directions. Um, I, I feel like this will work. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. I can see the picture perfectly. Um, what a wonderful story. The, here's what happens when you begin, you, you, you decide, wait a minute, that was wrong. I'm not bad at directions. I'm probably as good at directions as anyone else. And so mm -hmm. let's, let, let's get me back to where I need to be. Here's what happens actually in the brain. And I'll, I won't make this too complex for anyone, but it'll make a lot of sense. Your brain can only store so much information. And it wants to store the most important information. So for years, let's say it had been storing the, that you were bad at directions, even though you really weren't, but that's, that's the program you got. And then you repeated that to yourself, and then other people did too. So that program got reinforced. So then you decide, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change my self-talk about directions. I'm good at directions. I'm really mm -hmm. good at it. And what happens then is the more you begin repeating the new positive self-talk that you're good at directions your brain first records that then it gets repeated more often so your brain decides well this must be important so i'm going to wire this in so now it's wiring it in and then when it's doing that it needs space so it looks around for the older program that it doesn't need anymore and neuroscientists call this pruning just hmm. like pruning a rosebush. Hmm. It, you, your brain literally prunes out those synaptic connections that it doesn't need anymore. So what you're doing by telling yourself, I'm good at directions, and then you start to prove it to yourself, and then that becomes your new mindset. Your brain is, at that same time, getting rid of, deleting. It's, your brain has a delete button delete switch your brain begins deleting the old program and that no longer operates mm. it's no longer the operative program it's it's really fascinating because i even i even encourage people to tell people oh i'm not good at directions don't ask me for directions. i like i was telling them the programming to tell me <laughs> reinforce <laughs> it's funny now because i'm having to change the language i'm taking everyone else so it's almost like you're rewiring the habit loop right because um, when mm -hmm. I first started looking into the the power of habit and all those things, it's it's rewiring. So that's the piece. I guess my question would be, is self-talk a way of rewiring the habit loop? Because a lot of times when we, um, you know, look at these self-help books and all these things, change your habits in 22 days or whatever, they're always looking at substituting behaviors or removing triggers or whatever, different parts of it. But I could never really... Other than my work with uh, speaking to Judson Brewer, Dr. Judson Brewer, he works on mindfulness. It's how you literally just crumble or 
or make the whole habit disappear. But I feel like this is what you're doing. You're dismantling it with this self-talk because you're just putting new input. You're replacing it with, with yeah. new input, which is new wiring. The whole, the whole basis of this is neuroplasticity, which, of course, yeah. is our brain's ability to rewire itself. When I first went to school, we were still at that time taught that uh, when you get just into adulthood, your brain stops changing and it'll never change and that's it. And we were stuck with whatever we got. Well, at the time, we couldn't see into the brain and watch it work. And we didn't know that it was rewiring itself. But that's all changed. We now know that. All of this is based on neuroplasticity, which is your brain is looking, wants to, it's designed to rewire itself in the most efficient way so that you can live the very best life possible. Once you become aware of that, then you're just helping it do what it was designed to do in the first place. So yes, it's, it's rewiring, wiring in a new program, a series of programs is what creates new habits. Mm-hmm. New habit habits are programs, mm-hmm. and so when you when you and th- that's also when when they say it takes twenty one days to change a habit, um, it's because it takes the brain about it's about two to three weeks for the new wiring to begin to to be wired into place and gets acted on. So mm-hmm. that's where that comes from. It's actually neurological. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're just replacing old wiring with new wiring, and that's the that's the foundation of all habits. So, two questions. Uh, the first one is pretty pretty simple. Is for those who are listening, if they're older, you know, we always heard the adage, "Can't teach an old dog new tricks," but yes, you can, right? So, age is just a number in the sense of learning. Because your book, um, "The Power of Neuroplasticity," kind of speaks to that. But I'd love for you to kind of share what what is the science on that. Yes, um, the, the, the old uh, teaching uh, um, or people trying to change when they're old or older, um, and if they have trouble with it, they say, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's completely false. Mm-hmm. It just isn't true. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think we started that saying that just because it would give us an excuse <laughs> not, to, not to make the change. So... There are two parts to that. Very simply, it's this. You, you can wire more quickly when you're younger. So it, takes, it can take longer to rewire when you're older, except that when you're older, you have less noise, less spurious information coming in because when you're younger you're taking in everything you possibly can because we're designed to learn as much as possible so that we can survive when you're older you are you're automatically and naturally getting rid of those incoming messages that you don't need so while while older people can take longer to rewire change a habit um, in one sense in the other sense they really don't take much longer because they have less extemporaneous programs, um, noise level programs to deal with. I hope I made that simple enough. But mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's actually how it works. So no, there's no truth to the rumor. You can't mm-hmm. teach an old dog new tricks. All right. You've said it right there. It's perfect. Um, I had another question. So one of my kids, Jonathan, had, um, and he's shared this story, so it's okay um, for me to talk about it. But he had severe dyslexia growing up. And um, 
I mean, we struggled and looked for all sorts of ways and we, I was very active in his education, but it really came down to rewiring and the way just re repetition because he was learning the language of this, um, of, of reading. And um, what was interesting when I would speak to him about dyslexia, you know, because we were in a public school system, he'd, he'd get bullied by other people who knew he struggled and he'd go to different classes. And I always would bring out, you know, some of the most amazing people had dyslexia, Albert Einstein, you know, all these amazing scientists and whatever people he'd look up to. Um, where is it for those, for people, is there any, um, is that something in the same kind of circuitry? Like, I don't know if you're familiar with dyslexia and the, and the, the brain health, because I was just curious, it was just a side note, because it really was a matter of repetition, repetition, and now he reads beautifully, writes, no problem, you know, granted, it's been 20 some odd years, but I was just curious in the, that language processing piece, is there anything else that we should be aware of? Well, w without getting too complicated, it's, yeah, there are facilities of the brain that can get in the way of what we're talking about. Um, but in, in all of this, all of the um, things that we're discussing, um, it still gets down to repetition. Okay. So, so even when the brain is not functioning exactly like it, like we would like it to, or like it should, repetition still ends up. Yeah, in 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 these circumstances, repetition still ends up winning, um, but it may take that individual a little bit longer to learn the same thing. Mm. So consistency, repetition. Um, so my, my, my next question would be, maybe you should create a self-talk alarm clock. So it's like the first thing you hear, I was wondering if there's not some way I could record, take your recordings that I have on your self-talk app, <laughs> make it awake me up in the morning. Um, but, uh, that would be amazing. So are there any, uh, the, the app does, the app does have an, an alarm on it. it. It's, it's, it's a notice. I do have the notification. Okay, yeah. I would love to make yeah. it like the instead of the sound, like your voice just telling me the language because I listen. Good to morning. Me. Good morning. It's Dr. Allen Center here again. <laughs> it's your preventative of positive self talk. I love it. Oh my goodness. Um, but uh, I'm curious as to can you speak to the uh, app and where people can get it, and um, you also offer. I, I don't know if the life. Coach Institutes is still available, or what? What? How can people become involved? Where can they get this information besides all the amazing books that you have? Please share your resources that we can touch. The best resource is is the new app. It's called Self Talk Plus, and you can get the app by going to selftalkplus.com, and it's a subscription based app, but it allows you to listen to any self talk that you want to listen to for 30 days free. And I like that because that's enough time to get an idea to begin to see it work. Um, and there's a broad variety of subjects that are available on the on the app. And I would just encourage people listening now that, as we mentioned earlier, but I'll underline it. If you if you want to use self talk for weight loss, and there's a wonderful program for doing that but also add the other programs that that contribute to what could be causing the weight problem in the first place. That usually usually starts with self-esteem and, uh, and, and goal setting. 
Um, anyway, so selftalkplus.com is, is one place to go. And when, you, when you're using the app, um, right on the home screen of the app, you can also <clears throat> click on a, a link to news and updates. And that will give you information on, on um, getting free coaching sessions because that's, that's offered by the Life Coach Institute. And those are professionally trained life coaches and they all use self-talk with, their, with the people they're coaching. So that works really well. You can also get information on, on um, you can attend seminars on self-talk and so on. So it's a very comprehensive app and that's where I would send most people. Perfect. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful app. There's, there's uh, even stuff for kids. So, so I've shared my, with my doctors because we're, I have, there's nine of us or soon to be 12. And uh, so everyone that comes on, I'm, I'm sending them to go like, go listen to this. You guys need to listen to the book, download the app and start listening. And then what's fun is they started playing it for their kids. Um, so it's, it's, it's really fun. We'll see. These are gonna be amazing adults when they get up there. Um, but there's amazing stuff here. It's like, for example, the positive living recovery is recovery for, I haven't listened to that one, um, like alcoholism or I'm any addiction. Addiction. Any addiction. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Although we're probably all recovering from something. So, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Uh, Self-esteem, stress. I love the stress one. That's a good one. Quality of life, going to sleep. I've listened to you. You lulled me to sleep. The health and fitness is really good. You have a couple weight loss, stopping smoking, positive relationships for women, girls, kids, super coach, um, goals. I mean, financial success, winning people, all sorts of success. <laughs> it just, yeah, super mind. I love the super mind one too. Anyway, guys, um, if I haven't said enough, you guys got to go download the app and check it out. Um, and then um, this is fabulous. I, I can't even tell you, Dr. Helmsetter, how, how thankful I am that you were willing to come and speak to us today. Is there any last words you'd like to share with our audience? Because I want to be mindful of our time that we you agreed to join with me today. I would just reiterate that, that uh, you can do it. Mm. Um, my, my favorite words to anyone, <clears throat> and I speak them because they're true, is I believe in you. Mm. And my goal is to help people believe in themselves because we can do this. Mm. We might as well. Look, yeah. look at the incredible opportunities we have in front of us. Why not go for it? Why not start to believe in yourself? And even if the, the old you the, or the, that other, those other programs who weren't really you tell you you can't do it, I think there's something inside of you that says, yeah, yeah, Dr. Shad is right. Mm -hmm. I can do this. I'm going for it. You might as well. Right. And I, and I'd like to just highlight too, or maybe ask you just a, one final quick question <laughs> is that chatter, those other programs that are speaking, we hear them, they just kind of bubble up and when we're at least expecting it, that changes, right? That's that chatter seems to change. At least I have noticed that. I no longer have the ability to get up on a Monday and say, it's going to be another blue Monday, or it's going to be <laughs> another one of those days or a bad one. I, it's gone. And that chatter goes away. It's a wonderful feeling when look what you get to how efficient you get, how how your thinking is no longer cluttered with all that other stuff that kept getting in the way. So you don't have to spend half your energy of the day fighting with your old programs. Those actually get pruned out and they go away. And then, my gosh, then opportunity and the, the life in front of you, that incredible, then you become like that that infant in the newborn nursery saying, I can't wait to live out the rest of my life because mm. the rest of that chatter is gone. Mm. 
You're decluttering the mind from the chatter. I love yeah. that. <laughs> decluttering the chatter. Oh, I like that so much. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thank you again. And thanks everyone for listening. Um, we appreciate your time you spent with us today. Thanks for watching. And I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe and alert buttons so you don't miss out on any of the amazing content we're working so hard to provide you. We upload a new episode of Health and Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus every Friday. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find us on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. If you're looking for amazing resources to help you start and sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, or anything wellness, we got you covered there too. Because at Mora, we actually provide physician-led support groups to help people live happier, healthier lives free of metabolic disease. Don't forget to check out our website at mora.com. And thanks again for watching.